This morning, we are continuing our Elephant in the Room series. And remember that the elephant in the room is something that everybody thinks about, but nobody wants to talk about. Why? Because it's awkward, or because you know people that are involved in that. And truthfully, you don't want to step on anybody's toes. How many of you guys love just offending people, right? If you love offending people, you need Jesus, right? Um, Man, you shouldn't want to offend people, but how many of you guys know sometimes when we speak the truth in love, the message is offensive? It doesn't mean that you're a jerk, because there's no place for jerks in the kingdom, but it does mean that when we stand on truth, sometimes to people who don't value truth, it can be offensive. Um, So that's the elephant in the room. It's the things that we know should be addressed, but no one wants to. This morning's message is titled, Food Problems. It's good to be full. I, I hear the murmuring. And I apologize if there's any um, misspelled words in there. I told you, I've been at camp for six days. Um, are you full? Can I tell you, this is definitely a sensitive subject, isn't it? Listen, I completely understand. You look at me today, and I'm relatively thin, right? About 30 pounds over where I need to be, but, but I, I look pretty healthy. But can I tell you, it hasn't always been that way. Uh, the truth is that I grew up overweight. Most of my life, I have struggled with my weight. At my biggest, I was over 325 pounds, Right? Some of you guys are going, wow, that's a lot, right? And can I tell you that, that I've struggled with it? And can I tell you, I hated my body. Because when I took my shirt off and stood in front of the mirror, which I didn't do very often, I met, matter of fact, I got rid of all the full-length, body-length body mirrors in my house because I didn't want to see my, my, my body. But I was disgusted with myself. When I was in college, um, I developed what is called the Adonis Complex. Um, For those of you who don't know, Adonis is a Greek mythology character who had the body of a god, little G, right? So not big G god like our god that we serve, but the body of a god like Zeus or those imaginary characters um, back then. So, So what happens in that is I was in the pursuit of the ideal physical specimen of a body. I spent hours at the gym a day. And I'm not just talking like one or two. I'm talking in the morning. I would go and spend four or five hours in the morning, and I would lift weights, and I would do cardio. And and then in the afternoon, I would go back for another four or five, sometimes seven hours, and I would be on the elliptical, or I would be on the stair climber or the treadmill. And I, I would do about five to six hours of cardio a day. Why? Because I was pursuing this ideal body that I was never actually going to possess. Not only did I have that, but I also struggled with bulimia. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's when you eat a lot, you, you tend to binge yourself, and then you go into the bathroom and you throw up. Or maybe, hopefully you go in the bathroom and throw up. Hope you don't throw up there at the dinner table because everybody would be grossed out. But the truth is, most people who struggle with eating disorders typically try to hide it, right? And, and so I did. My, my friends and family didn't notice that I was doing this. But I had one friend who noticed that after every time that I ate, I would then go into the bathroom within five to ten minutes after finishing. You want to know why? Because I was going into the bathroom making myself throw up. Can I tell you, I, I, I did lose weight and I did feel better about myself, but it was never enough. 
You see, the truth is, is I've struggled with diets my entire life. Anybody dieted a bunch? Right? Diets are no fun. And can I tell you, I'm great at a diet for about one or two days. And then day number three kicks in, and like Bluebell is calling my name, Pizza Hut's calling my name, Taco Bell, which is really awful, nasty food sometimes, was calling my name. Don't get me wrong, I like Taco Bell, but sometimes it don't like me, if you know what I'm saying. And, and, and I, was, I was going for anything that could be. Can I tell you, now I'm in the Army, and, and we work out, and, and I've gotten in much better shape, but still, even during the times when I was in the best shape of my life, I still wrestled with my weight. You see, the Army has strict weight standards. And and if you don't meet weight standards, then you get put on the Chubb program. And they make you work out, and they make you diet, and they give you a very specific thing of the things that you can eat and the things that you can't eat, right? And then you got to go to remedial PT. And really what that means, they're going to run your butt off till it's no longer there. And they're going to do what they can to help make you lose the weight. Um, if you're not at the weight that the Army says you should be, then they do this incredible thing called the tape test. And for males, what it is is they measure your neck, and then they measure your abdomen. How many of you guys know that most guys carry their fat right here? And, and so luckily, um, I almost, even when I was over 300 pounds in the Army, I still passed the tape test because my neck was the size of a bull's. Um, but I was definitely not healthy. You see, I understand what it's like to struggle with food, insecurity, and weight. Listen, I want to make sure that you hear this and that you understand that it's not a sin to be big. Right? And it's not a sin to be small. Listen, there there are many different reasons that someone could be a certain weight. Maybe it's genetics, maybe an injury or sickness or a reaction to medication. Listen, we shouldn't judge someone based on their size, amen? Amen. Listen, there are all kinds of people in this room today. There's the man or the woman who's always struggled with weight, right? Food is your mortal enemy. It, It loves you and you love it. But yet it also hates you and you hate it because of how it makes you feel. Listen, there's the guy or the girl in here that feels like they've always been too skinny. The dad who just wants to be healthier so that that he can be around to see his kids grow up. The person who looks in the mirror and says, I've got to make some changes. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Amen? Man, that's a life first to live on right there, isn't it? Man, some of our problems in this area are not totally our fault, but partially due to the realities that we live in. Man used to spend a large amount of time hunting and gathering and working physically and, and walking a lot. Did you know back in the day there were no vehicles? Everybody's shocked, right? But there weren't vehicles, and so if you wanted to go somewhere, you walked or you ran. And when you hunted, it's not like we hunt today where we build a big deer blind and we sit up in it eating nachos and drinking our coffee. Actually, don't eat nachos because they'll crunch and they'll scare the deer away. Right, and we sit up there, and we've got our gun, and we're waiting for it to come. Can I tell you, that's not how they used to hunt. They used to have to stalk their prey. And there was a lot involved in that. You see, we live in an age where food is constantly available, 
Right? Anybody ever get the munchies for late night snacks? Of course. Luckily, here in Mejia, there's only two or three restaurants that are open late. And by restaurants, I mean fast food. McDonald's, Sonic, Whataburger, Taco Bell. And can I tell you what? Look, I can't count. Leave me alone. All right? I don't know, like that many. And can I tell you, at 11 or 12 o'clock, none of those options are good options. Right? Listen, we've got high-calorie food, right? It's designed not to be healthy, but to taste great. Anybody here love Chinese? Right? I love Chinese. But, but man, they like put extra GMOs in that stuff. And I don't even know what that is, but I'm like, give it to me because it tastes so good. Listen, God designed our bodies to store excess calories because He loves us and He didn't want us to starve to death. We just happen to live in a society with an abundance of food and convenience. Listen, our conveniences really don't help us at all. How many of you, besides me, drive to Walmart? You'll drive around the parking lot for five or ten minutes looking for a spot closer instead of parking and walking two minutes, right? There's several that do it. Listen, so because of these cultural realities, we have, become even, we have to become even more intentional about how we live so that we can glorify God in all things and live our life the way that He wants us to experience. So how do we glorify God with what we eat or drink? Listen, we've got to figure out what God wants. Today, I want to look at four things that God wants. Number one, God wants me to enjoy good things. Amen? Listen, food is a gift from God, and He wants us to enjoy it. If, you're, if you ask me, eating good food is one of the best parts of my life, right? Anyone here besides me love food? Man, I don't watch the food channel because I would lust after the food, right? Like, you, you watch it, you're like, ooh, I want some of that. Or how many of you guys have seen them dumb little videos on Facebook, and they pop up, and you're like, man, this looks good, and you're showing it to your spouse, like, hey, you should make this. And she goes, it's got 10 million calories in it. And I'm like, I don't care, get in my belly. And it's amazing, right? Uh, man, can I tell you, I personally believe that pizza proves the existence of God. Any other pizza lovers in here? Man, what about that, that perfectly cooked steak that's well-seasoned? What about Mexican food? See, I believe that Mexican food proves that God loves us. Anyone in here besides me have a sweet tooth? Anybody ever had a hot, crispy cream donut? Man, can I just tell you, there is nothing better than a piping hot, crispy cream donut. Look, I'm going to help you out. If you ever drive by a Krispy Kreme and the sign on the outside is lit up and says hot, you can go get a free Krispy Kreme donut. But listen, it's got like 50 million calories in that one donut, right? Any, any ice cream lovers? Man, I love me some Bluebell. It's great. Listen, what about chocolate? Right? Some of you in here are like, man, I don't even consider it a dessert unless it's got chocolate on it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? No. Listen, there have been times that I was eating my food and it was so good. It was like a spiritual experience for me. I was like, oh my God, this is so good. Thank you. You really do love me. I'm eating the pizza, giving you the glory, Jesus. Right? Listen, God wants us to enjoy food. Someone's like, check, I got that one down. 
You say, Pastor Jason, I agree with all this. So what's the problem? Well, as we discussed earlier in this series, whether it's sex or money, those are all good gifts from God, right? But they can harm us if we abuse them. You see, Scripture calls, discusses a sin called gluttony. We don't hear gluttony mentioned a lot in American churches, do we? Probably because it's awkward to bring up, and Americans really struggle with it. I remember being confused growing up and hearing a pastor talk about how evil alcohol was and how to ruin your life. Meanwhile, the guy is eating himself to death every Sunday on fried chicken. You didn't hear gluttony messages preached very often. You see, gluttony is defined as a habitual greed or excess in eating. Let me read that again. It's a habitual greed or excess in eating. Listen, we're not talking about Thanksgiving meal, right? Or a few weeks ago uh, on Independence Day when you grilled out and you had more than you eat. Listen, that's not gluttony. That's celebrating, right? Or at least that's what we like to tell ourselves. Listen, gluttony is the habit of excessive eating. It's a sin because it reflects a problem in your heart. You see, in Scripture, gluttony is closely linked with a drunkenness. Proverbs 23.20 says, Do not carouse or hang out or be friends with drunkards or feast with gluttons. For many people who struggle with this issue, food becomes a way to escape reality. Right? Sometimes we use food to comfort us instead of facing the pain that's in our lives. This is where the phrase comfort food comes from. This is why we tend to gain weight after we lose a job or a setback or when the starting quarterback for the Cowboys gets injured and they've got to put in a rookie to play quarterback. Listen, it's depressing and I need some bluebell in my life, right? Luckily, this past season, Prescott did okay. But you see, there are times when it's okay to have some comfort food. But we shouldn't let food, alcohol, or chemicals be our primary source of comfort. Listen, when, when you really boil it down, gluttony is idolatry. It's turning food that is a good thing which God gave us into an idol. An idol is anything that controls us or keeps us from serving God as we should. Listen, I'm not saying that you shouldn't enjoy comfort foods. Can I tell you, I love me some chicken fried steak with some white gravy. If you put brown gravy on it, you're gross, right? White gravy only. But, but listen, you can have comfort foods or fried foods or desserts or any of those things. Listen, we're, we're not some health nut church, right, where we're telling you that, that you can't have any of those things. We serve donuts in the fellowship hall that come with extra gluten, right? Listen, Scripture actually tells us to enjoy good things but to do so in moderation. Listen, the occasional scoop of ice cream isn't going to kill you. But sitting down and eating half a gallon at a time just may. Proverbs 25.16 says, If you have found honey, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit. My kids are incredible about this. And by incredible, I mean they're terrible at this. Right? Any of your kids have a sweet tooth and they're like, ooh, gimme, gimme, gimme. And then they eat it and then all of a sudden they're like, oh. Anybody ever feel that way? Sometimes you get, some of you guys right now, you're going to feel that way right after lunch today, right? You're like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. 
Listen, just a few weeks ago, Tina went to the store to get ice cream for, for her and myself. And, and it doesn't happen too often, about every month or every two months. And she came home with two pints of Bluebell ice cream, one for her and one for me. Can I tell you, that was really thoughtful of her because I didn't want to share my ice cream with her anyways. Uh, listen, I, I, I'm a sympathetic husband, right? She, she wanted ice cream, and so I was going to eat ice cream with her. See how great I am? Listen, can I just be honest? I ate the entire pint. I did. I'm not, I'm not getting on to anyone. I'm not judging anyone. Listen, I was sitting there in that bed with that pint of ice cream in hand, and it was awesome. I mean, it was so good. I'm eating, my God, this is so good. How do they make this taste so good? You ever thought that when you've eaten something? Listen, can I tell you, I didn't feel any guilt about it at all. But I don't do that every night. Listen, if I started finishing off every night with Bluebell, with a Bluebell nightcap, then we're going to have a problem. Right? Diabetes. My heart may quit working. I may just die over right there while shoving a spoonful of Bluebell in my mouth. Listen, God wants us to use moderation. Whether you're talking about food or, or, or television. Why? Because He wants us to be healthy. And if you don't have the ability to do things in in moderation, then you should practice abstinence. Well, pastor, abstinence means don't have sex before married. No, abstinence just means not doing something. Listen, if you come from a family of alcoholics, you're better off not drinking alcohol than continuing the family tradition. Right? I, I think it was Hank Williams Jr. that had that song, It's a Family Tradition, right? Can I tell you, that's probably a tradition you don't want to send on. Listen, one popular trend in dieting that I think is funny is how many people are eating gluten-free right now, right? It's just one of the latest fads. Scientifically, less than 1% of the people are actually allergic to gluten, which is a protein that's found in some grains. You see, this is called celiac disease. But research shows that for every one person who's actually allergic to to gluten, 20 people are eating gluten-free diets basically for no reason. And then they say, oh, I feel so much better now that I'm eating gluten-free. Most of us have a moderation problem, not a gluten problem. You feel better because you stopped eating six donuts for breakfast, not because you're actually allergic to gluten. Listen, let's use wisdom as we enjoy good food, right? Right? Number two, God wants me to be healthy. God doesn't call gluttony or drunkenness a sin because he's an uptight old grandmother. Listen, God loves us and he wants us to be healthy. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Listen, this verse in con is used in the context of sexuality, but, but it pertains to this issue as well. Listen, everywhere we look, our, our culture promotes an ideal body type, don't they? We're constantly bombarded with airbrushed, photoshopped images of people with impossibly low levels of body fat. And then we compare our bodies to their bodies. Think about this. You're comparing your body to a person whose pictures were photoshopped. Isn't that depressing? 
Listen, most of the guys in here, you've seen that guy in the Calvin Klein ad, right? Six-pack abs, a full head of hair. And you think, I don't look like that. You find yourself looking at the, in the mirror and you say, well, I'm balding a little bit. I definitely don't have a six-pack. I am working on that keg, though, right? Um, so that's something. Listen, some guys would kill to lose 20 pounds, and some guys would, would kill to gain 20 pounds because some guys are also insecure about being too thin. You say, I wouldn't know about that. To me, it would be like having too much money. I wouldn't know what that's like. But can I tell you it's even worse for the ladies in here? From the time that you hit junior high, you're comparing yourselves to models and actresses. You're being told that you're not beautiful, right? But if you had this product or these clothes or you bought all this stuff, then you'll be just like them, right? You need to be sexy but not slutty. You need to be thin but have curbs. My God, what a nightmare. Listen, it's no wonder that people are insecure. You've got people that are starving themselves or making themselves throw up with meals because they feel so bad about their own bodies. Listen, I struggled with my weight, but I can't even imagine how much more pressure a girl would feel to look a certain way so that she might do things to, to herself to gain approval from other people. I don't get it. Listen, man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. Listen, you were created in the image of God. You don't need other people's approval because you've got God's approval. God doesn't make junk. He wasn't distracted when He made you. Psalm 139 says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God's Word says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Listen, our Heavenly Father doesn't love you any less because your nose is too big or because your booty is too small. Listen, even if hip-hop likes big butts, God said, I made you, I created you, I knit you together in your mother's womb, I even sent my son to die for you, and you belong to me. Listen, a, a piece of artwork isn't valuable because of its beauty. By the way, some of y'all need to get saved because y'all started singing that song. Listen, a piece of artwork isn't valuable because of its beauty. Think about how subjective art is. Sometimes I just don't get it. Anybody else ever staring at art and you're like, what is it? Right? Why? Because it's subjective. But how many of you have heard beauty's in the eye of the beholder? Listen, there are some pieces of art that I just look at and I'm like, I don't know how anybody sees that as art. Like, I, I, that's dumb. It's a stick and a water balloon. How is that art? Right? Or you just took a bunch of metal and threw it together and painted it red and you're like, look at this really awesome sculpture. And I don't get it. But you see, artworks and artistic works are valuable because of their creator. Because of whose signature is in the corner. Right? You've got to understand that God has fully accepted you and approves of you so much that He put His own spirit in your body as His signature of authenticity when you accepted Jesus. We aren't having this conversation so that you can be a thinner, sexier Christian. 
Listen, it's not about trying to look like the model in the magazine. Let's be honest, we're never going to win that fight. We're Christians, right? We invented the potluck supper. Listen, we take any excuse that we can to get together and eat, and then we call it fellowship. Listen, let's get together for ice cream. I mean some fellowship, right? Listen, God doesn't care if you're big or skinny, but He wants you to be healthy. In fact, I've got a responsibility to take care of my body because my body doesn't belong to me. It was bought with a price by my king, and he lives inside of me. I am the steward of God's house. Listen, this building isn't God's house. Somebody just got offended. You see, this body is God's house. Your body is God's house. And I wish some people who feel insecure here this morning would look in the mirror and realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I wish some ladies in here would hear this. You don't have to let some punk put his hands on you. Listen, your body is God's house, daughter of the king. Listen, I don't know if someone here is feeling insecure. Well, my house needs some renovations, right? Listen, that may be true, but you only renovate something that is valuable and important. If a building is not valuable, if a building is worthless, then you know what you do? You don't sink millions of dollars making it better. You tear that junk down. Listen, if I need to make some changes to my lifestyle, it's only because this body is important and valuable and it's worth the investment. God wants you to be healthy. You need to be healthy so that you can be who God has called you to be. Amen? I want you to to be here long enough to play with your kids and your grandkids. Listen, you aren't going to serve others and make disciples if you don't have the energy to get off the couch or off the pew. Your physical body is a resource and God has entrusted it to you. You're accountable to Him for how you use it. And I know that there's some people here that are thinking, Pastor Jason, I hear you. You you. You don't think that I want to make some changes? that I should quit some bad habits or or even eat healthier. I've tried all of that on my own, and I failed. The key begins when we do it in God's strength. Number three, God wants us to grow. Some of you are like, man, I got that one down, right? Ever since junior high, my waist has been growing. Right? There are so many people who struggle with overindulgence. Maybe it's food, alcohol, or television, or you're smoking something and you want to stop even though it's now legal in Colorado. Only, the only problem is when the test of time comes, I find that my self-control is weak. Anyone else? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Listen, there are people here that need to hear this. You've got a problem that you need to overcome, but you're afraid to try again because you fell before. But listen, when you place your faith in Jesus, He gave you His Spirit. It's not a spirit of fear, but it's a spirit of power. The type of power that you need to overcome obstacles and to break through barriers. It's a spirit of love. He reminds you that God loves you even when you don't love yourself. Listen, some of the stuff that we put in our bodies, we wouldn't put in there if we loved ourselves the way that God loves us. You see, he's a spirit of self-control. 
This is how, as a believer in Jesus, I can gain victory over things that used to control me. This self-control is a natural byproduct of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gratefulness, and what? Does it say overindulgence? No, it says self-control. Listen, everyone in here has made New Year's resolutions and experienced failure. Right? New year, new me! Up until two weeks later and we're eating a bacon cheeseburger with fries, spicy ketchup, because regular ketchup's nasty, and a Dr. Pepper, right? You're like, new year, new me, I'll start next week. Here's what we know is that our willpower is a fragile thing, isn't it? Listen, some people are trying to gain power over their sin through willpower. And you know what you need? You need the spirit power and supernatural self-control. Listen, if you try to will yourself to do something, you're going to fail. But when we allow God to, to, to use his spirit in power and in supernatural self-control, we'll begin to overcome the obstacles in our life. Listen, God wants us to grow in self-control. So how do we do that? How does an apple grow on a tree? Right? You never walk up to an apple tree and you grunt and, and it says, I'm growing an apple. That'd be really weird if the tree said that, wouldn't it? How does an apple tree grow an apple? It stays rooted. Listen, God wants us to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, including self-control. And you know what? You will if you stay rooted in God. You see, we, we just need to stay rooted in Jesus and rooted in His Word and give God some time and you're going to find fruit all up in places that you never knew you could have fruit. Listen, I wouldn't mind having a little more self-control. I don't know anyone who, who's got a lot of self-control to spare. If you've got self-control to spare, let me know. I'll take it from you. Um, listen, this is where fasting could help some people. Right? That's another one of those awkward things that we don't talk about a lot is fasting. Listen, I'm not talking about fasting to try to lose weight. Anybody here would admit that, like, pastors called for a fast before, and you're like, sweet, I'm going to lose 15 pounds because I ain't eating for 40 days. Listen, that ain't fasting, and that ain't, that ain't good for you. Listen, I'm talking about fasting to gain. It's biblical fasting. Jesus said that there are some demons that only come out through prayer and fasting. That means that there are some spiritual struggles that are so deeply ingrained in us that we need more power. Fasting is denying yourself of some type of comfort, whether it's food or television, and spending extra time in prayer. It's like putting spiritual fertilizer on a fruit tree. I'm going to deny myself some physical food and feed my soul with spiritual food. If you know that you want to make some changes, you're going to need power beyond your willpower. You can grow with God. He has given us a spirit of power and love and self-control. Number four, God wants me to be full. God wants me to be full. In John 6, Jesus had just done an incredible miracle. He fed over 5,000 people with just five loaves and two fish. People like that. They're like, let's make him my king. I'm all about free food. Long live the king. But you know what Jesus did? He slipped away. And that night, the disciples couldn't find him. They set off in a, in a boat towards Capernaum. And, and Jesus came walking on the water to him. And out in the middle of the lake, 
it really freaked them out. I don't know about you. Anybody ever been on the boat out in the middle of the lake? If you saw some dude walking out in the middle of the lake, it would freak you out and you'd be scared a little bit, right? John six twenty two says, The next day the crowd had stayed on the far shore, saw that the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized that Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and they went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. You see, the people were hungry for Jesus, but they were hungry for the wrong reasons. Jesus was just telling it like it is. Right? We think Jesus is so polite and proper. And, and, and I say, let us go to Jerusalem. And, and, and here's Jesus. You're just here for the free meal. It, it frustrated Jesus. And Jesus said, why are you here? You're only here because I fed you. Verse 27. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For, the, for God the Father has given me the seal of approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one that he has sent. The people wanted to do amazing physical works, but Jesus was pointing them in the right direction. Listen, God wants you to believe the greatest miracle is faith in Jesus. Listen, I, just this last week I was talking with another pastor and he said, man, we don't see any miracles in the church anymore. Why don't you think we see miracles? Can I tell you, we saw miracles this morning. Right? When, when a child or an adult puts their faith in Jesus and decide to follow them, that's the greatest miracle ever. Can I tell you, I am on a spiritual high right now because both of my boys accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and I got to baptize them this morning. That's a miracle. Verse 30. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Let that sink in. They wanted a sign. Right? They, they continued. They said, after all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say that Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. You see, that's how you know that Jesus was fully God, because only God could put up with such dense people. Stop focusing on the physical, because God cares about the spiritual. That's cool, Jesus, but can you get us some bread? Right? Moses gave the people bread, so we want some bread. Can you give us some bread? You got some bread in your back pocket? I'll take some crumbs you got left over, because I know you can pray over when you're just, poof, and there's like 10 loaves right there, right? All they were worried about was some bread. Verse 32, Jesus goes on and says, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. These people are slow because they responded, Sir, give us that bread every day. Jesus once again broke it down. and He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Listen, I've often found myself on a diet. Anybody here ever done slim fast? Two, shake, two shakes a day and a healthy meal at the evening. That healthy meal usually turned into something else because I'm starving. 
Listen, Jesus actually wants you to be full. So many of our problems in life come because we try to satisfy a spiritual hunger with physical substance. You see, the people weren't hungry for actual bread. They had this deep spiritual need that that they didn't realize they had, and Jesus was trying to point them in the right direction. You see, we, we were all separated from God. And we've got a God-shaped hole in our heart that, that, that we just know that, that we've somehow got to fill. You see, the world tells us, well, love is all you need. Right? Find you that man or find you that woman. Or, or go have sex and it'll give you everything you need. Or, man, if I just had a boyfriend or a, a girlfriend, a wife, a husband, a lover. Or, or if I just had more money and I could just get more money. Or, or, or the world tells us, just go have fun, right? Just party and have a good time. Hit the club and let us get our drink on, right? Listen, most food problems come from this. I'm using food for comfort and for refuge after a hard day work or to escape my reality. You see, we act just like the crowd did in John 6. You see, I need to fill this hunger. I need to fill this void. And Jesus said, you think that your problem is physical, but your real problem is spiritual. You're asking for snacks, but you're going to be hungry again. You've had this hunger all your life, and you can't satisfy it. It's an inch. It's an itch that you can't reach. You're, you're hungry, but this hunger isn't what you think it is. It's a spiritual hunger, not a physical hunger. You see, you need something better. And the good news for you this morning is I have something better for you. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. I am the living water, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Church, listen to me. We've got to stop trying to satisfy spiritual hunger with physical substance. We do this all the time, even though we know it doesn't work. Right, I just got the promotion I've been chasing, but I'm still hungry. It's not enough. I finally got the body that I want, but it's not enough. And so I spent all this time... And, and I've been chasing after this husband or this wife, and I want to be satisfied. Guess what? It didn't work. Maybe if we have kids, and you find yourself still hungry. Maybe if we got a bigger house. Nope. You're still hungry. Why? Because you're taking in physical substance trying to satisfy a spiritual hunger. Listen, it's never going to work. We've got to go to the bread of life. Listen, as Americans, we've got so much access to substance, don't we? There are so many potential distractions, ways to escape realities, ways to numb our pain. We only hurt ourselves when we seek refuge in physical things. Psalm 18.2 says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and the place of my safety. Listen, let's be people who run to the Lord, our rock in hard times. Listen, He's my God, my rock in who I find protection. Let's take refuge in Him. When we feel the hunger of dissatisfaction welling up inside of us, let's turn to the bread of life. Listen, God wants us to enjoy the sweet moments of life, right? Getting married, having kids, getting a raise or a promotion. But listen, these moments are sweet, but they won't satisfy our spiritual hunger. 
We don't understand that, so we go after more and more, thinking that, it, that it's going to fill us up, but it doesn't. We try filling up on Krispy Kremes, and it doesn't work, and it just makes you sick. You need more than that. You need more than just the physical. We need spiritual substance. We need the bread of life. We need living water. We need Jesus. Why? Because Jesus cares about our physical needs. That's why He physically fed people and why He physically healed people. But do you know the main reason that Jesus took care of people's physical needs? He did it so that we could understand His true mission. And that was that He came to take care of our spiritual needs. Our physical life is temporary. But the spiritual is eternal. The physical body is eventually going to die. But the eternal is going to live on forever. And where it lives on in eternity is a choice that you've got to make. You see, Scripture tells us that you either spend an eternity in heaven with God or you'll spend an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. And it's our choices that make that determination. I've had people ask me, Pastor, why would God send people to hell? God doesn't send people to hell. We send ourselves to hell by chasing physical substance when what we really need is spiritual substance. Listen, Jesus is saying this morning, listen, I, I, want, to th- I want to heal your physical body, but what I really want to do is I want to heal your broken soul. I want to heal your broken heart. Listen, I fed your stomach, but what I really want to do is feed your soul. See, Jesus took care of the physical to point out the spiritual. And can I tell you, it's time that we stop chasing after the physical things when what we really need is God. Listen, that extra two slices of cheesecake ain't going to make you feel any better. It ain't going to fill that that void in your heart. You might feel that it will, but at the end, you're just going to have a tummy ache and that hole is still going to be there. So the question becomes, will you allow God to do the thing that only God can do? What are you saying? Pastor, none of us have to eat healthy or do any of that. No, we should do that, right? But can I tell you, that's not all we should do. We got to let God take care of the spiritual thing as well. Listen, the truth of it, some of us in here struggle with self-control. Right? Some big people, some small people, some old people, some young people. We struggle with self-control. And maybe it's not food that's our issue. Maybe it's pornography. By the way, statistics tell us that by the time a teenager has reached the age of 18, a male, 98% of all males have viewed internet pornography by the time they turn 18. And 78% of all females have viewed internet pornography by the time they turn 18. Maybe that's the self-control area. Maybe it's smoking. Pastor, are you saying that, that smoking is going to send you to hell? No, but it's going to make you smell like you've been there. It ain't healthy. You're breathing in all those toxins. What you really got is a self-control issue because you're trying to cope with something else and, and, and you're smoking to take the pain away.
Maybe you don't exhibit self-control when it comes to your kids. Can I just tell you, if you're a kid in here, and, and most of us are, sometimes we frustrate the mess out of our parents. And, and sometimes we as parents get mad at our kids. And did you know sometimes we as parents don't always handle it well when we're, when we're mad? And sometimes we yell and scream. Sometimes we spank a little bit harder than we intended to. And can I tell you, I'm not telling you that to make an excuse for them, but I'm just telling you there's not a book that came with how to be a parent. Your parents are doing the best job they can, but you know what? I think every one of us has moments that we failed at being a parent. And some of us need God's help to have self-control that when we get angry, we don't yell and scream and cuss and hit and fight or flip people off on the way into the church. Or they cut us off in traffic. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe every night you're you're out drinking and and you're constantly turning up the bottle and and thinking that it's going to fix all your issues. But at the end of the bottle, all those issues are still there. And maybe it's time to quit doing that junk. I don't know what your self-control issue is. But I'd be willing to bet every single person in here has one. The question becomes, are you willing to give up whatever it is so that you can be more like Jesus? And I can't answer that question for you. I wish I could because I would say yes. Have more self-control so you can be like Jesus. And truthfully, in the next week or two or the next month or six months or a year, and we're, my wife and I, we're going to be talking to people and counseling with people who didn't exhibit self-control and have broken marriages and broken families and, and broken junk and, and broken lives. Why? Because none of us take it serious until we've hit rock bottom. What would happen if we began to develop self-control before we hit rock bottom. Stand with me if you will. With every head bowed, every eye closed today, maybe you would say, Pastor, today I want to follow Jesus. Just like we've seen kids do in the service, just like you've been talking about, I want to follow Jesus. And today you want to follow Jesus for the first time, or maybe you've walked away from God and you want to come back and you want to rededicate to follow Him from this point forward. If that's you, I want you to just slip your hand up right where you are. Today, maybe you'd say, Pastor, I've got a self-control issue. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's one of the things that I mentioned. But today I realize that, man, if I'm going to be like Jesus and I'm going to follow him with all my heart, man, I've got to have more self-control. And I've I've tried to do it on my own, and I just need God to help give me self-control. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you and call you out and make you come down front. But there's hands all over the room this morning. So I want to pray with you. 
God, we thank you for those that have said they want to follow you. But God, we also thank you for those that said that they want to be more like you by having more self-control. God, I pray that you would help people to walk more like Jesus did. God, to have self-control even when dealing with dense people. God, even people that frustrated him. God, to have self-control when it comes to the things in their life, maybe the people, maybe the things that they do. God, with the goal of us being more like you tomorrow than we were today. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name.